0: Today's reading is from Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up in response to a revelation. Then I laid before them, though only in a private meeting with the acknowledged leaders, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not compelled to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. But because of false brothers and sisters secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus so that they might enslave us, we did not submit to them even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might always remain with you. We are in the middle of reading a letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. Galatians was a church that was made up primarily of pagans, not Jewish people. And it's one of the earliest letters that, Paul, uh, that we have of Paul on record. Um, and it shows uh, a significant change in his ministry. First off, he started out the writing, just to catch us up real quick, he, he started this church in Galatia that primarily was about, uh, it consisted of pagans. Uh, he told them that they did not have to be Jewish in order to have this religion, even though uh, Christianity started out as a Jewish religion. It was something that was, uh, uh, Jesus was Jewish, it was, uh, the earliest people were Jews. Uh, this was something that uh, Paul was arguing that it's, it's time to expand it. As soon as he leaves to open some other churches around and about, some religious leaders from other areas come in, and they say that Paul is all wrong, that you actually have to become Jewish. You have to follow the Torah, you have to get circumcised, you have to follow all the traditions, you have to conform in order to be Jewish. Now, Paul's got wind of this. He writes a letter, and it's very urgent, and it's very angry because he wants to set the record straight. And what he's talking about a little bit is about his, his past, and what we've caught here is just the middle of it. He's talking about Uh, Last week, his first visit to Jerusalem where he met with Cephas, which is uh, Peter, uh, and now he's talking about 14 years later, his ministry is up and running. He's been doing a lot of stuff, and he is back in Jerusalem to talk with the religious leaders. But we're still early enough on that when he's talking to the religious leaders of the Christian faith, Christianity is still considered a minority, powerful, but a minority, And it is still being led by the original disciples, the people that walked and talked with Christ. And so when Paul goes back to Jerusalem, he's sitting there talking with them. And he's trying to make his case. He mentions in this letter that um, he had a a premonition, a vision, whatever you want to call it, uh, to go to Jerusalem. Now, what we believe in that is that there was a, a prophet around this time, a person that was saying there's going to be a famine in Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem, remember, this early church is small enough that a famine could actually hurt them pretty, pretty well. And so a lot of historians believe that Paul's main mission was to go there with money and that he was helping the other churches. This is one of the first uh, signs that we have of the community, of the Christian uh, church expanding so much where people of various backgrounds are now pooling resources together to help those in need. You know, in the, in the time before this, you know, uh, Jewish people, if you were part of the Jewish people, you would help people and everything like that. But now we have, we have something remarkable. We have, we have Jewish people, we have pagans, we have uh, men, women, we have sla- ex-slaves, we have, uh, you know, a, a whole bunch of people. The community of the church is really starting, and that message about contrib- contribution and giving to those in need is really starting here. But that's what we believe, is that Paul went this, uh, on this uh, 14-year later trip with money to help them through this time. Okay, but while he's there, he wants to make sure, that he says that he wasn't, uh, his ministry was not in vain. He's not doubting his, his stance on allowing other people in without having to conform to Judaism. What he's worried about is that he's preaching this. He's worried that other people are not preaching this. And so he's worried that there's going to be a little bit of conflict. Imagine conflict in a church. Never have I known of anything so appalling in my life. Uh, Sounds like you disagree with me. Conflict right there. Paul has changed a lot in this. Remember that Paul originally was a guy named Saul, and what he did was persecute Christians. Now, he believed that what he was doing was right. If somebody asked Saul, what do you stand for? He would have said, I stand for the traditions I stand for the preservation of the Jewish faith. I stand for the Torah. I stand for the law. I stand for this. And that is why I'm persecuting Christians. He did not start out saying, I just want to be bad. You know, I just want to be, I feel like being a villain. I saw Star Wars, really loved Darth Vader. You know, I just want to be that guy. He actually felt like what he was doing was right. And he was compassionate about that. Imagine if somebody came to you today and just said, what are the things that you stand for? Imagine what you would answer them. And ask yourself this, has any of it changed since years beyond? Have the things that you stood for back in your past altered from where you are today? Because with Paul, it's a perfect example that the more that we grow in our faith, the more things might change for us, for the better. Now remember, Paul was a, cru- a pursuer of Christians. At the time of his ministry, there were probably people that were still imprisoned. There were probably people that were still dead. Still dead. <laughs> well, we're talking about Jesus here. <laughs> Shut up. We're, we're I'm preaching here. We're talking about... Uh, um, What was was I saying? Oh, for crying out loud, I have, yeah. We're checking that communion wine, I'm telling you right now. Um, But it started as a persecutor of this, and now he is over here talking about not only is Jesus the true, the true Savior, but that everybody's invited. But you know what? There was a little bit of a hiccup there even before that. You know, we always think of Paul having this moment where he fell in Damascus and saw the risen Christ. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And has this conversation when we think that it plays out that Paul immediately jumps up and just starts preaching, knows all the answers, and is the person that he was in his last days. But remember, every one of us, including Paul, has free will. That is one of the the epitomes of Christ's love, is that he gives us free will. And so Paul could have actually saw Jesus and said, no thanks. I'm still going to be the persecutor of the faith. Still could have, because a lot of us still have moments in our lives where I swear that Christ has entered and just been part of our, our story, part of our life, and we still might do things incorrectly because we're human because we make mistakes because sometimes the things that we stand for that we think are right it takes us a while before we realize that those things might be wrong we're human and so was paul i cannot stress that enough when people were disciples of jesus christ when people were apostles of jesus christ they were people they were not they did not become gods they were people they argued They had things in the early days of the church. They had things where they were still trying to figure things out. And that was Paul too. The story joins us where Paul is writing in his letter saying, I went with Titus, I went with Titus to Jerusalem. Titus is a Greek, which means he would not be of the Jewish tradition. Titus did not want to be circumcised. Circumcision was meant for men, it was the identity. It said, this is who I am. You could follow some of the rules, you could fake some of the things, but circumcision cannot be faked. That was your identity. It was that important. And and Paul on this letter is saying, he said no. He wanted to stay true to who he was, and yet he is still part of the family. He is part of this messianic family. He is, still, he is still a child of Abraham. This was progressive, it was revolutionary, and it angered a lot of folks because he was changing the game. But you know what's funny? Paul, who was so adamant about this, just a few years before, not so much. In Acts, it's recorded that Paul wanted Timothy, Timothy was a a young person that Paul became kind of a, a disciple of Paul's, said Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were there in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek, his mother was Jewish, his father was Greek. Just a few years before this, Paul is part of the group that's saying you really do need to be circumcised. And yet by the time that we get to Galatia, he is adamant that you do not have to do this, that the laws of the Torah do not apply because when Christ died and rose, every one of us was forgiven. Every one of us was cleaned of our sins, every single one of us, including the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. And nobody had to partake in that. He was adamant about that. So it changed for him. From one minute he is saying that everybody that believes in Jesus is a sinner and a heretic and I'm going to arrest you. In another chapter, okay, you can be a Christian conditionally. And now we have Paul saying, they can come in and I will fight for them to come in. I will go to Jerusalem and I will stick up for Titus, a man who is of Greek nationality, and I will respect who he is and he will still be welcomed here. Isn't it amazing the example that Paul gives us here that we can start out in our faith, but our faith is meant to grow. It's meant to expand. When Paul wrote some of his last letters, he talked about winning the race. It's a forward momentum, and it always has been for Paul. Paul allows us to see his evolution from villain to conditional to open doors. Why don't we allow ourselves to do the same? Sometimes when we become Christian, we just think it's right there and it's locked in, and we're good to go. Don't have to grow, don't have to go forward, don't have to do anything. As a matter of fact, I, always, I can actually still continue to judge people, and I can continue to write their story, and I can continue to tell them what they need to do to be part of me. Paul's about that. You know, it, it makes me, you know, Paul would continue to have certain things that he would say throughout his ministry, that every once in a while, that restrictiveness would pop up again. He's the one that famously said that women should remain silent. I would never even joke about that because it would hurt afterwards, I'm sure. She would hit me. He said a lot of things that were restrictive. But you wonder what would happen with Paul if he continued on because what we see is a growth progression in Paul's life. We see the faith, the message of love, continuing to evolve in Paul's heart. The culture that Paul was in at the time, the outsiders were the pagans. That was what they focused on. You were either of the Jewish faith or you were a pagan. His faith reached a point where he said, even the pagans can come in and be themselves and be part of this it makes you wonder you know Paul was martyred he did not live to uh, die of old age but it makes you wonder if we would have seen more evolution it makes you wonder if Paul was alive today who would he consider those outsiders that need to come in knowing the readings of Paul and the writings of Paul, I would imagine that his scope, as we see it expanding, would have expanded even further. Because to him, the number one thing was not about filling churches. It wasn't about expanding the ministry. It was truly about letting people know that Christ died for them because Christ loves them. That's what it was about for him. And so you wonder how much that would have expanded. I don't want to put words into Paul's mouth, but I do want to remind us that Paul was a human being. And sometimes human beings say things, and we see them evolve. Who is it that we took from just this point in time saying, Timothy, you got to get circumcised, to just a couple of years later saying, you do not. Something changed. I would say that his faith continued to grow. You know, when I first became a Christian, I, you know, I always say that I was a Christian, and I, and I believe that I was, but what do they say, not practicing? Uh, which is funny, because now I feel like I'm always practicing, because uh, I have to, you know. Um, but when I first became a Christian, I thought it was a one and done, you know. I accept God. Look at me, I'm so special now. And I became pretty judgmental. In my first years of being a Christian uh, officially, uh, some of my mentors uh, would tell me straight out that there were certain folks that uh, were not doing it right. They were not allowed in. Uh, that uh, you, just, you prayed that they would change. You prayed that in some way that they would conform. To who this church was, and I and I bought into it. I did because I felt like that's what was Christianity. That somehow being a Christian allowed me now to be a judge. It allowed me to know more about God and to be God's buddy and to actually sit with Him and judge the rest of the world because my first thought of Christ was not a happy one it was one where Christ was kind of just waiting for the world to screw up he was waiting for people to either miss a word or say the right word in order to get into heaven but it all had conditions on it and he was just waiting for you to mess up and anything that you did was going to either get you in his grace or get you into trouble but it all depended on you and I felt part of that you know I felt that it was I'm safe saved. And so to help that insecurity, I had to find people that weren't, and I, and I judged them. My, my view of things were a lot different than what they are now. But as, as time went on, as I continued to delve into my personal growth as a Christian, as I continued to to read, not only read at face value, but delve deep into the words of what the context was, of what they were saying, of what the definitions were, of what the translations were, by the time it's reached us, it's gone through so many languages. you got to dig. And the more that I did that, the more that I continued my walk with Christ, the more that I continued with my heart, my walk with Christ, the more I found that the things that I was originally told was expanding. I didn't agree with it. I agreed with some things, and I didn't agree with other things. The closer that I felt to Christ, the further I felt the need to judge. The further I felt the need to restrict the further I felt the need to make Christ's love conditional. And the more I knew that the fact that Christ loved me, well, that was a miracle enough. That's all I needed to know. Because if Christ loved me, I knew Christ is loving everybody. I went from Paul, now we we call Paul this big persecutor, but sometimes we as Christians are persecuting Christians. Sometimes we as Christians are persecuting people that want to come in. Sometimes we are the same as Paul, and we think we're doing the right thing. We think that's what we stand for. What do you stand for? With Paul, it was the protection and the preservation of the Jewish faith. Some of us, we say, well, what I'm standing for is the protection and the persev- uh, uh, per- whatever I said of the Christian faith. <laughs> Every time I look at you, I script my words. Why are you doing this to me? We think we have to protect it just like Paul did. And we're hurting people. We're persecuting people. We are imprisoning them because we are doing everything that we can to keep the love of Christ from them. That's persecution and that is imprisonment. And then some of the times we grow to where we think it's conditional. Oh, God does love you. You are so welcome here. There are so many churches that say, you are so welcome here. You get into the door and they say, oh, no. wait, wait a minute, just a little bit there. you got to just tweak this and you got to do this and all that stuff. Your hair is pointing, oh, you got to point it on the other side. And In this church, we don't even care about hair. But we just, it's all about this. It's still about judgment. It's still about becoming one of us. And then you get to this moment as you grow in your faith where Paul is right now in this time with Galatians and saying, you know what? We got a church full of pagans and it is awesome. It is a growing congregation and I love these people and I will defend them. I will advocate for them. Remember that word, advocation. Because that is what Christ used to describe the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit he called the advocate. That means that Jesus is not there waiting for you to screw up, not there making it conditional. An advocate doesn't do that. An advocate says, I am here to fight for you. I am here to be for you. I am here to die for you. That's where my faith has grown over the years. That's where I sit now. And so one time I was at a baseball game and somebody came up and they, they, I told them that we were just starting this church. And they said, well, I hope that you teach the Bible because so many churches don't. She had a weird voice. <laughs> Looked like Marvin Martian. And I knew that by saying that, that's what she meant. And I knew that there were things that we probably wouldn't agree on. But I also knew that I could look her right in the eye and say, yeah, we do teach the Bible. We teach it deeply and meaningfully, and we follow what it says. And the deeper you get, the more you grow in that faith, the more you realize what that Bible teaches. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. That's what I stand for. What do you stand for? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, help us know that our faith is is always it's growing help us to know that it 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 is growing forward help us to to realize that the things that we may uh, follow yesterday can evolve even more so today help us to know that whatever it is that we stand for that the number one thing that we stand for is you you who said They will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. You that said love your enemy. You that said love your neighbor as you would yourself. Help us to evolve and grow our faith to where that is what we stand for. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.